Welcome to Awakening the Body, conversations around sexuality, psychedelics, trauma, shame, acceptance, and loving self-kindness. How can we bravely co-create safe enough spaces for our erotic and ecstatic selves to emerge and flourish, opening up to radical self-love for our weird, wonderful, and full beingness? I'm your host, Rachel Charlie. Somatic sex educator living in Jojoge, Montreal, on the unceded indigenous lands of the Gonyongohake Mohawk Nation. Episode 5 is an introduction to me and my work this time, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Evelyn Chevry, who is asking me some questions. Evelyn is a multifaceted identity who is professionally and personally active in various fields from science through art and entrepreneurship. She publicly identifies as a futurist and activist, as well as a queer, neurodivergent trans woman of colour, yet she is continuously discovering other parts of herself that are unfolding. Her journey of flourishing and empowerment has led her to heal and learn on her own gender and sexual identity through therapies and tools in trauma healing, sexual therapy, embodiment, mindfulness, eroticism, relationship, and art. Through her entrepreneurship side, her commitment to diversity and inclusion is reflected in her activism and public stances. A spokesperson for causes such as neurodiversity, the support of LGBTQ square IA communities, feminism, BIPOC reality, sustainable development and social innovation, Evelyn combines professionalism, innovation, art, and social commitment to contribute to a more inclusive, equitable, and sustainable society. Today, as we focus on how my own personal and professional growth and learning have enabled me to assist others in their journeys of flourishing, Evelyn's perspective enriches our dialogue and helps in highlighting my journey, learnings, and practice, so you can have a deeper understanding of how I approach somatic sex education, sex work, and trauma healing. I hope that you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. If you are interested in financially supporting this podcast, you can find a link to buy me a coffee on the show notes. Thank you so much. wonderful to have you here in my little apartment recording this podcast with you. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite. And thanks so much for having the generosity to come and ask me some questions this time. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what comes up. Yeah, I had a specific idea of what I wanted Mm -hmm. and it seems that it's turned into something else. Yeah, (laughs) that's good for you. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a whole lot of questions. Yeah. I think what I noticed while listening to your podcast was, okay, uh, I was listening to your interview with Elodie and other people. I was kind of, oh, we need to know who's Rachel and what sort of work, right? (laughs) So that's why. Hmm. Yeah. So I think the first thing I wanted to ask is a bit of your history as a practitioner, right? When you started and 
how it evolved. Yeah, so the somatic sex education part is really recent. Mm -hmm. I've been working with people for, well, it's January 2024. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I started working with people, like charging for it, Mm -hmm. three years ago exactly. So that's a pretty short time. And I was still completing my studies in somatic sex education Mm -hmm. and I had started more than a year previous to that. Mm. So that's the somatic sex education part. But if I understand well, you also have done some practice and some learning in other body work before, right? I have, I have. And it was always a kind of thread through my life. (laughs) Most of my work was as a musician, in music, I would say, not even as a musician, but in music. But it was always threaded with, I guess, being an artist. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of other artists, there's all other work threaded in. Mm -hmm. And it seems that a lot of that other work was to do with bodies. Mm -hmm. In 1999, I completed a diploma in shiatsu and they called it oriental therapies, but it was traditional Chinese Mm -hmm. medicine. And that was two years full time. So I did that over four and a half years like performing and being a musician. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot at the same time. (laughs) It was a lot at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. I just have this real fascination with bodies. Mm -hmm. Who are we? What are we? Who are we in our bodies? How do we move Mm -hmm. like out of all the ways and what is being in the body? And I understand it was part of your family too. In, in a way, my grandmother, my dad's mother, was a naturopath, an osteopath, dietitian, and a chiropractor. <laughs> and she had a practice. She was a single mom mm-hmm. and ran a practice and a business with a health food shop attached yeah. to it. And I spent a lot of my years there with her. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager working in her shop, in my holidays, Mm -hmm. and kind of being around somebody who's running a busy practice, working with bodies, hearing it, meeting all the people, and having my body worked on her in those ways from a really young age, and then imitating that on her with other people in the family (laughs) and with my friends at school, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's part of you as a kind of... Yeah, I mean, it it just felt like a natural part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of exploration from your young age to now, right? Because there's a lot of learning. What would you say in all these years was the most revealing in terms of knowing that it would be part of your practice or more active? In more unexpected ways than that, I've always had this, I say always, it's like... I've had these yearnings towards things in my life, like sound and music is this really important part of my life and this real thing I feel pulled into and it's been a really significant part of my life. But along with that, touch, body work and sexuality has been a really thing that's pulled me into itself yeah. and it's been like, what, what am I? Yeah. I feel drawn to these three things Mm -hmm. and then what is my place? How do I make a life around 
creativity, sexuality, and also I think, like a lot of us, just a lot of trauma. And by trauma, I mean things that happen that don't get resolved and that kind of stay. In the body. You stay in the body, stay inside me, just inexplicable reactions to things that don't make (laughs) sense and having a whole lot of emotions around things that don't make sense and this whole cloud of stuff, like where does that come from? What is healing? Like that's a big word. And what are ways to lean into for life to feel really rich and good and connected? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of feeling, I, I recall I've read or understood in conversation that one of your ayahuasca session was revealing in some way. Okay, ayahuasca. Let's <laughs> 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 get straight into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So ayahuasca mm-hmm. has been a beautiful thing for me, as as of many psychedelics. I think the first time I had ayahuasca, I turned 51. So that's four years ago now. And I I think you're talking about my first experience with Mm -hmm. ayahuasca. I remembered something happening that happened over and over again. Like it was a Mm -hmm. long night. It was my first time. Mm -hmm. I drank like three or four cups. I was really... Uh, surprised by the experience. It felt so uh, familiar, the space, and so orgasmic in a way, Mm -hmm. right? And I was just like, in that particular setting, I didn't know anybody. I knew I was supposed to be quiet and stick to myself, but I was just like, so I let myself breathe deeply (laughs) and move a little bit, but I was trying not to, like, it's hard. But I distinctly remember a lot of the night was spent where people would come to me, like not in re- like I'm in the space. They would come to me. It might be people that I knew. It might be people I didn't know. They mm-hmm. would come to me and I would sit with them. So this is not literally. This mm-hmm. is actually in the space. I would sit across. We would sit across from each other. We would look at each other and in a way, It was this real acceptance of the human in front of me and Mm -hmm. each other. And then we would spiral together, like through the air. And it was this spiraling and unraveling together of I don't know what. It happened over, like I think it happened about a hundred times and over and over and over again with different people. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. But then a few years later when I started leaning into this work that I'm doing now, it really fit in with um, what I was learning about somatic sex Mm -hmm. education as being not about fixing but about being with another human fully Mm -hmm. and with love and care and that we do this together. Like none Mm -hmm. of us do this alone. It felt like this really unraveling of stuff. Yeah. And and that was really beautiful. Yeah. And what I understand from your practice, and so it's two questions. Mm. One is how would you describe your practice as a first question? And the second is I understand that presence is part of your core, or maybe I'm interpreting but part of your core practice is is giving that presence in in different ways 
Wow, I wouldn't have thought of it that way, but that's good. <laughs> I get that's like a really good idea. Like, so <laughs> there's all things that I try to do. So let's let's take my childhood and my grandmother. The work was really about fixing. Uh, a farmer comes in with a leg that's he's been kicked by a cow. So she's there to fix, and she's the expert. She does it. So I grew up with that mentality. And then if I go to if I went to a doctor or a massage therapist, I had things done to me, and she would do things to me. Yeah. And so the ayahuasca was interesting because it was really. Um, I didn't like that mentality, but it was inside me. And so it was the first experience of really, instead of coming from a place of fear and protection mm. with people, mm. really, who is this human? Yeah. How can I actually meet them? And intimacy was something that's been a really hard journey for me to actually connect with another human is still can be like one of the most challenging things. Mm. I've come a long way. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think for me personally, the idea that I am an expert, which I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I fully know that, particularly like I'm young in this work. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, as a musician, I needed to be an expert. It felt safe. And if I was the same kind of expert with bodies, the idea that I can fix somebody feels safe. It doesn't really feel mm-hmm. safe, but it feels like I don't have yeah. to see this person. Mm-hmm. I can just do my work and I don't have to be involved. I don't have to be intimate. I don't have yeah. to love them. I don't even have mm-hmm. to like them. It feels dead mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah. So having that experience on the ayahuasca was really beautiful for me because mm-hmm. it was like I can look into people's eyes. Yeah. I can connect. I can be with another mm-hmm. human. And then doing the training in somatic sex education, it really was a lot about that. Yeah. So it's it's a thing. Yeah. So it's something I try to mm-hmm. be, but I, I'm yeah. not perfect, right? And how would you describe a session with you? What did it look like? Uh, no two sessions look the same, right? <laughs> Because... It's hard to know what this work yeah. is. It's an emergent modality and with like pretty widely cultural, probably not not all cultures, yeah. but the ones that I'm in, mainly sexuality is a really tricky thing, mm-hmm. just talking about it. Yeah. For some people, just seeing two people kiss is very, very, very difficult. And talking about it using clear language, mm-hmm. like talking about a vulva, talking about a scrotum, rather than saying down there or The one that I hate the most, lady parts. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm wondering what kind of lady is this? Like, <laughs> what are these parts? <laughs> I don't know. So just using yeah. language that, well, even with clients, the language can change, but mm-hmm. language that is agreed upon to help yeah. with clarity. And even for a lot of people, can you touch my vulva? Yeah. Can you touch my penis? Mm-hmm. Is very hard for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some people, it's easier. So I don't know what a normal yeah. client looks like. Yeah. I'm just saying it's kind of, it's yeah. very wide, the things mm-hmm. that people ask for and yeah. that they come in, in with intentions yeah. around. Yeah. And talking about their coming, what do you see as a need when they come and what you discover 
mm. with your clients mm. in in what's the commonality also in that. So it's a pretty big field and there's people that will come in, I have erectile difficulties, I come really fast or I think I do. I've never had an orgasm in my life, at least I think I haven't. I don't know how to be intimate with my partner. I don't know how to receive pleasure. I don't know what pleasure is. I don't know what I want. I don't know how to ask what I want. To there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. I've been to a lot of doctors. There's something terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And intimacy. Yeah. And there's a lot of things people don't ask about because they might not realize that it's a thing that can be worked with yeah. or sample cuddling a lot of people would think oh i don't need support with that so somebody might come in saying that they have erectile difficulties but once we start working together mm -hmm. if we keep working together like there's a bigger picture that yeah. emerges yeah. of working with how do i really want to be touched yeah. What am I not releasing in my body? Is my whole body a part of this? Mm -hmm. Can I allow shaking in that kind of release? Can I move more? Can I make more sound? Can I be more involved? Yeah. What are the discoveries that you've made that were really joyful or that you really, wow, okay, I, I, I found that. The thing I love the most about doing this work is like how much I get to learn. Yeah. Some of it's really difficult just realizing how much difficulty and pain and suffering there seems to be around sexuality. That's mm -hmm. been a really hard thing. Yeah. But also a joyful thing is just getting to know each person, finding their unique ways that they are in mm -hmm. their bodies is endlessly fascinating and joyful for me. And then once I feel comfortable with somebody, just really troubleshooting and mm -hmm. thinking, Do you want to try this? Yeah. What happens if mm -hmm. I think this? What do you think? Yeah. How do you feel? What are your ideas? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And keeping that within the container that we set. Yeah. But there's so much room to explore. Mm -hmm. I think foundational to all of this is real self-love. Mm -hmm. And not just self-acceptance, like a radical self-love, which the words I've taken from a book, The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. And it's really about a shift in self-love. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I'm finding becoming foundational to my work with people, and I still don't know how to bring it in in a way that people get it, but it's what is called a mindful erotic practice. And that's like setting aside time on a regular basis mm -hmm. that's time-based, not orgasm-based of self-touch and really getting to know your own body deeply and with the possibility of so many experiences with that and so much exploration that's unique to each person. Yeah. So I don't know how to bring that in in, in a in a way that people get yet. <laughs> like I'm I'm kind of getting there. Like some some of the people that come to see me, they get it. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm yeah. working out a way to communicate about the importance of this in a way that's accessible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what does it look like as a session, the mindful erotic practice? For, for the person practicing mindful erotic practice? Yeah. 
So it's really simple and it's still as simple as the way that I learned it in my training. Mm -hmm. You set aside a time container. Mm -hmm. If you don't have much time, it can be five minutes with music. It could just be dancing Mm -hmm. or 20 minutes or 30 or 40 or an hour or two. Like you, you choose, right? You find out something that's not too much or too little for yourself and fits in. Mm -hmm. And let's say it's a 30 minute practice. You can have music. It's a good, makes a good time container mm-hmm. and it gives you ways of moving. And it's really anything you like. Mm-hmm. So it could be thematic. It could be, I, I mean, I'm not being very helpful. Anything, mm-hmm. really <laughs> anything. It could be straight up masturbation, whatever that means to you. Yeah. It could be just straight up timing it, you know, yeah. to have like a one off orgasm yeah. at the end of it, which is absolutely great. And it can be other things too. It's really creativity and how the person wants to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And discover themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that I did a lot while I was training in in a group Mm -hmm. online. Yeah. And doing these things with community is really important because we can get inspired by other people what they say or Mm -hmm. if we're actually with the people, like just by seeing. It's like, huh. That's a good idea. Or holy shit, <laughs> what what is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um yeah, like what is pleasure? What is the erotic? And it doesn't have to be pleasurable. It could be about exploring numbness. <laughs> or it could be just about working with pain. Yeah. It's it's how your body feels that day. Yeah. Align with that the discovery. I understand a part of your approach is slowness and how you're approaching client in a way that you're really taking the time so could you tell me more about that yeah it's been like i'd really work with everybody differently (laughs) and it's gonna be an ongoing learning for me for a long time like clearly three years of just this i have worked with sexuality in different ways in the past which we can go into but we don't have to but I've always had a real curiosity about bodies and pleasure mm-hmm. and what and what and what. Slowness. Oh, yeah, slowness. Yeah. So I find that m- as my work evolves, I always thought I was listening to myself, but mm-hmm. I'm listening to myself more and more. Mm-hmm. And I'm a slow person. And I'm bringing in more slowness. Like now, basically, when I work with somebody, I'm going to welcome their genitals in in the first session, but I'm probably not going to touch them, right? When I think about the way I see a lot of people getting into relationships, and there's nothing wrong with this, or going into dating, it seems to be a pretty fast world. And personally, really experiencing expanded states of consciousness and orgasm, which isn't necessary either right i'm just saying it's you can force an orgasm on a person i don't know if you know what that feels like yeah (laughs) does it feel does it feel good if you've had an orgasm forced on you yeah does it feel pleasurable Mm, confusing yeah yeah so if somebody says they've never had an orgasm Mm -hmm. if i uh, you know you can kind of force it yeah but it kind of doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. So I think about my personal experiences with pleasure 
and watching other people is if someone's feeling really settled and safe, Mm. that their pleasure is welcome, that they're safe with me, and that takes time, all sorts of things can happen. The pleasure feels different. It's safe and it can kind of blossom. That's when like an orgasmic state is possible. That's when different kinds of orgasm are possible or not even orgasm, expanded states of I don't know what the fuck this is but it's really nice and I feel really relaxed and Mm -hmm. I feel good everywhere. And this is something that there's a kind of sexuality that feels good but it's kind of rushed and it's kind of fast and it's kind of with people you don't know so you've got all that excitement but there's no feeling of safety. Mm So what happens if we slow it down? What happens if you relax your breathing? What happens if we take our time in sessions mm-hmm. building up a place where it's known that this this is a safe place yeah. for you, that your pleasure is welcome, your numbness is welcome, your mm-hmm. tears are welcome, everything is welcome. Yeah. So I see such a big gap between the, the freedom and safety of awesome pleasure and orgasm in that frame versus a client that is coming with a lot of trauma. Yeah. Uh, like, I understand different type of trauma. Yeah. Like, so yeah. you're on your day to day, you seem to have people coming with trauma and you're slowly unfolding what I don't know how. You, what's the approach in that sense. Maybe you could tell me a bit more about that. This is a hard one because yeah. there's so much learning to do around trauma. Mm-hmm. I don't have specific training or papers in it. So when I work with someone with a lot of trauma, if I'm going to work specifically with that person, I need to know that they have support. Mm-hmm. So, so far, when I double check in with people, they'll have a therapist, they'll have this, they'll have that. I work with what's in the body yep. and have like develop a language with that person, asking them what they're feeling, noticing, telling them what I'm noticing in the body, asking them what they feel, if they feel it. Like if I mm-hmm. feel some kind of shaking or movement, I'll ask them if they can feel it. And we might work with that. Mm-hmm. So it's a really gentle going in and out. Yeah. And anyway with clients, but specifically if I know there's some kind of trauma, I really find out what resources that person mm-hmm. so that if things come up that we can go in and out, we can go towards the resources yeah. as well. And it's kind of like the Tibetan Buddhist practice of Tonglen, holding compassion and suffering. Mm-hmm. together but it's almost like the compassion is the container for suffering yeah. right yeah. i mean there's so many similarities and yeah. so many i find it endlessly fascinating mm-hmm. and because i've had a lot of support with my own trauma yeah. and tried to find my own ways through it as well and learning i really like that kind of work and i understand as you mentioned right you need the client to have a support network or some practitioner that are therapists and other. How do you see currently the your work compared to other people 
in the field and how is the community? It seems that you have support from other people around yeah. and, and it seems to be really healthy. So I would like to. Yeah, yeah. that's really important. Um, I've noticed when I look around that particularly in semantic sex education, mm-hmm. everyone does it differently. That's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. And I do have people that I'm in regular connection with just to talk about our work. Mm-hmm. We all do it differently. Some of the principles are the same. I understand there's still some sharing in shared practice and experience and yeah. co-learning in, yeah. in these. Yeah. yeah, and we talk yeah. about like any difficulties we might be having or really good things yeah. that are happening in our practices for us. And people have different levels of interest or ease in working mm-hmm. with specific things. And some people that do somatic sex education don't yeah. touch, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. some of my clients I work with just online, mm-hmm. so there's no touch. Yeah. Some people it might be just platonic touch mm-hmm. and intimacy that yeah. way. Most people I work with whole body touch. Mm-hmm. And I understand you seems to know a lot about touch and the different kind and how do you navigate in a session what is what right what helps yeah that's a really good question that's really hard on many 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 levels so one of the important things is as much as possible the session is client-led i really want the person to feel like they have autonomy mm-hmm. And so the will of consent is really important in the work Mm -hmm. and really gauging how much a person can actually ask for what they want and not just tolerate something and advocate for themselves and actually know what kinds of touch they want. And that's really hard, Mm -hmm. I've found, for a lot of people. And there's somebody that I know that I've worked with for like maybe maybe three years now actually, but it took two years before this person was like, now I get it. Now I know what it is to ask. Oh, wow. And ever since then that person <laughs> has just been like, I want this. No, exactly this, right? But it took two years to even think that it might be something desirable. And I think with body work, people think of old school massage, and I know a lot of massage therapists don't work like mm-hmm. that anymore, of you lie down and you get fixed, right, yeah. by the professional who knows, who can feel your mm-hmm. body, knows what's mm-hmm. going on. And I can feel stuff in people's body, but I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. It's their body. Yeah. So they are the expert, Mm-hmm. And just because I'm feeling something doesn't mean that it's a thing, yeah. right? So a lot of the practice and the work is listening to what's coming and guiding the client. Some people are amazing at it and they really are practiced it and they actually need to do that. And some people really fight it and it's really hard to work with because if I'm just doing something to a passive person, it feels abusive almost for me to do that, especially because I'm working with sexuality. So some people come with specific sexual trauma that they will talk to me about, Mm -hmm. but I think there's so much sexual trauma in the cultures (laughs) that 
a lot of us live in, that even if it's not named, it's kind of often there. Yeah. Right? Like not being able to ask for what you want, (laughs) being in relationships where you think you're doing for something for somebody else, you're never getting what you really want, you don't know how to ask, oh, my God, am I going to be, like, slighted because I want a finger in my asshole, right? (laughs) It's bringing in the idea of clear language, Oh my God, I love the idea of a finger in my anus. Mm -hmm. Would you like to do that for me while we're doing this? Right? Yeah. And experiencing not being rejected for that. Like, even if I say no to that, it would be like, wow, thanks for asking. That's awesome. (laughs) No, but thanks for asking. So, does your work with client is in a way being there there's there's a physical practice but i understand there's also kind of guidance or unfolding of teaching and education about the tools of communication the tools of containers the tools of mindful practice what's the ratio of physical work versus the kind of more education work if it's quantifiable (laughs) for practices Mm -hmm. like or home play yeah often people will ask me so we'll talk about that at the end of the session i might do a follow-up email with stuff written to be supportive or books or something like Mm -hmm. i might think of something that's interesting for somebody that asks me for more information it all has to unfold as a part of what that person is where they're at what they're asking for (laughs) and i find that difficult i get excited and i just kind of want to (laughs) bring stuff in but i it's just a hard balance to find a way to navigate it (laughs) like it's always in development i see so much i have so many ideas but it needs to come from the person yeah and i can just nudge but i it's it's, yeah do you know what i like oh yeah i just had the flashback of me in the therapy session with my sex therapist and i was seeing that she she saw something more that i should be knowing or discovering and i was seeing her excitement but i was not there and but it was just (laughs) there enough to see that she was seeing something and it was kind of i want to know but i I had to discover by myself right and that's part of the yeah yeah and that's like so (laughs) the the things that i lack the most are the the being a therapist because (laughs) that's where i don't have training yeah and so that's really hard (laughs) for me i did do a year out of three years, yeah. so I did one year of somatic experiencing mm-hmm. just to kind of, um, and I would have liked to have complete that, but mm-hmm. I did it like for the trauma training. Yeah. And I also did it for like, how do I be with the person? How do I mm-hmm. allow them to bring things yeah. in without me getting all excited <laughs> and wanting, you know, <laughs> to say stuff because blurting stuff out and giving people yeah. like a whole book to read mm-hmm. is not necessarily useful. Yeah. Especially with a practice in the body, mm-hmm. it really is about the body. It really is yeah. about who are you in your body? What mm-hmm. are you feeling? What are you not feeling a lot yeah. of the times? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand you discover a lot of numbness and disconnection in the body. Yeah, well, that's what it feels like, but I have to ask. (laughs) And I really learned to be very much in my body when Mm -hmm. I'm working with people and feeling what I feel 
and trusting myself. So I'm all full <laughs> of me and my body. So I can clearly distinguish mm -hmm. what's me, what's the other person. Mm -hmm. And then if I have certain feelings, like I sometimes it'll be like, oh, I'm not feeling anything. Maybe it's another part of the body. So <laughs> if I feel uh, uncertain about mm -hmm. what I'm touching, I will ask a person. Yeah. Like I'll say, oh, you asked me to touch you <laughs> here. Does it feel complete here? Is there yeah. something else you want? And then often they'll say, actually, yeah, I'm feeling like here. Yeah. Like I'll give options and sometimes mm, they won't know or I'll touch somewhere else. Then there's other ways to bring it in. It's about discovering mm. ways to support people mm -hmm. to find residency yeah. and safety sometimes yeah. in the body. Sometimes there's really good reasons why people don't want to feel things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you kind of want to trust their body's wisdom. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just say, hey, my hand's here. Yeah. Can you breathe into that? Yeah. And just does that help? So you see that you're working with, touch but breathing if you work with movement with yeah, yeah. sounds yeah with, yeah 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 can yeah. you give yeah. an example yeah. yeah and some some people just do that just mm -hmm. like naturally it's kind of like oh cool this is yeah. fun mm -hmm. and some people might do that with an intimate partner but yeah. not a stranger mm -hmm. so then it's like how do we bring that in yeah. i think without pushing things on people like yeah. just inviting them you know mm -hmm. can you make a noise when you do this can you hum do you feel like moving does your leg want to move does mm -hmm. it want to jiggle my leg's jiggling oh it feels so good yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah so do you bring playfulness and ease how, how do you bring that in it's just do you embody playfulness yourself or you let the person uh, discover that or Sometimes I'm just accidentally playful. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's different. Every yeah. person mm -hmm. brings out something different. Yeah. One thing I have noticed is that lately specifically, I've noticed this connection to joy. Mm -hmm. I just, I, we've talked about this, like a soft joy. And I've noticed that I can feel that and it doesn't interfere with somebody else's state if there's other emotions going on for mm -hmm. them. But I've also found that this kind of connection in my body and soft joy has really been, I think it's, I don't know what it is, has been changing my connection mm -hmm. and relationship with the people I work with. It just makes it feel Uh, more easeful, like yeah. we really are working yeah. together in a session that's just for them. It's yeah. about them, their body, what do they feel, what do yeah. they want to explore. So I see a lot of care, a lot of kindness in your approach. Some playfulness, some learning, and some exploration, plus the tools. The way I see it is that it's everything that you bring in. It, there's a lot of you in, in the approach. I understand you're constantly reading and uh, a client come with something, you'll dive in and do some research to mm -hmm. to make some discovery. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it relates to your own experience. Mm -hmm. um, I think what, what I see so far is that we can connect with you. And that's the important thing, I think. And um, that kind of deep dive that mm -hmm. you're doing in knowledge, I understand you're doing it with people and it's in your practice. Mm -hmm. So what are the the really precious findings that you've made in, in that, right? 
in like the more core element? I think the most precious thing to me has been finding something in each person that they're really good at or discovering something new mm-hmm. through each person. Like everybody is in their body differently. Mm-hmm. I think that, I don't know, I find that people are very different to me. Mm-hmm. I find people to be vastly unique. Like I kind of <laughs> language vastly <laughs> unique. I really find that once a person opens up, particularly around the body yeah. and particularly around sexuality, because for so many of us it's, it's such a big secret, I find this really something. I'm always looking for something. And if I find something that a person does that I think is, and, and this is just me, but but I see that is unique to them and beautiful, if it's appropriate, like I'll ask, I will share with them what I see, yeah. right? So do you think it, it kind of bring other things than just the healing of the sexual aspect? Does it, do you think it goes beyond the sexuality but other part of the person when you're helping them? Beyond just the sexual, yeah. huh? <laughs> just the sexual. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> when something is so hidden, so yeah. difficult mm-hmm. for people to talk about and be clear about, yeah. It impacts our lives. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that I feel so comfortable sitting in front of most people and just resting my hand on my genitals. <laughs> mm-hmm. I never used to feel like that, but I have this ease in my body. I don't have a fear that my sexuality is going to overcome me and make me do bad things, <laughs> right? Or make me do things I might regret. Or make me do anything. I feel like it's a beautiful energy that flows <laughs> through me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people seem to have fears around that. Yeah. And really, a lot of the body work around the genitals is really about accepting them as a part of the body. Yeah. So they get touched. It's, it's astounding that for so many people, the only touch they've had on their genitals is a doctor medically Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like do to Mm -hmm. me do to me fast just get around and done with Mm -hmm. and with a partner where it's seeking Mm -hmm. a particular result of pleasure Mm -hmm. right so when do our genitals get cared for in all the other ways that our shoulders might get cared Mm -hmm. for by Mm -hmm. touch by therapeutic touch different kinds of touch Mm -hmm. that can be incredibly pleasurable and safe to feel pleasure in the shoulders, painful. It can be all sorts of things. It's like touching the genitals with empty hands. I have no expectations of any sensation. It's just like an empty hand, Mm -hmm. not moving. That's new for a lot of people. Or even, you know, I could be working on the butt muscles of the outside cheeks of the Mm -hmm. butt, but one of the beauties of the work is that because there's the possibility of touching everywhere. If a client is comfortable with this, I can use the external anus and the line of that mm-hmm. to balance my hand as I'm working with the muscles and include the whole butt when yeah. working with it. And that can be pleasurable, but it can also mean that it's possible to get into different muscles, just like 
working internally anally, Mm -hmm. you can also get really deep access to muscles and tissue from there and the outside at the same time. And the same working inside a vagina, you can. Mm -hmm. Like there's all these possibilities of ways of working that uh, a lot of body workers don't get to use. Yeah. A lot of osteopaths are trained in internal work, pelvic floor therapists, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, different people. But a lot of them might be trained in it like osteopaths, but they don't necessarily do it as a part of their practice. Yeah. And you can, depending on the client. Yeah, depending on the client, depending on what we're working with, depending on what they want. Yeah. 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 And how these clients, I know from previous conversation, how diverse is your pool of clients? Can you just give a, an idea of the diversity? I work with all genders. Mm-hmm. I work with from the age of 21 to, I think, maybe 87, so mm-hmm. oldest. Mm-hmm. Any other kinds of diversity you want to know about? Body shapes. Yeah, culture. different body shapes. Um, yeah, different cultures, mm-hmm. different um, ethnicities, different, yeah. like, yeah. 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 So I think you have that kind of openness that give a safe space for a lot of your clients. That's the way I, I understand it. Your openness, but also the safety about the container and the approach seems to help a lot of people in that sense. I would like to think that that's true. However, I will also add that I'm a cis white woman, so clearly... Mm-hmm. I have unacknowledged biases Mm -hmm. and ways of looking at things. Yeah. 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 So I I don't think that I'm Mm -hmm. perfectly open about stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I love different bodies. I love (laughs) that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really useful for people to choose a therapist or somebody to work with them that they do feel Mm -hmm. they're safe with. It's really important to sometimes have some of their experience. Yeah. So I don't have all of those experiences, right? Yeah. I have my experiences. Yeah. yeah, and I understand there's a part of your work that is also, in a way, a form of activism, right? Or a, a form of support to a, a field that is really marginalized, right? Mm. There's so many ways to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Because also the way I work has a lot of privilege. Mm -hmm. I'm not a full-service sex worker, Mm -hmm. right, which is, mm, yeah, which which has a lot of legal implications, a Mm -hmm. lot of safety implications, a whole lot of stuff attached to it and very little support Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and can be a really marginalized way to work. So I have the privilege of doing a kind of sex work without that, Mm -hmm. although it still is in a kind of gray zone because mm-hmm. I do touch people. Yeah. So when you look at different kinds of uh, psychotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, historically about around touch, yeah. it's been very, like, I think even Freud started off working with touch more, mm-hmm. but it became dangerous to combine this for so many good and bad reasons and just reasons. Touch is so important for working with trauma touch is so important for working with sexuality if someone comes and says that they have premature ejaculation depending on the client i get to work exactly with that and see exactly what they mean Mm -hmm. and 
unless you can see it, you really don't know. You can ask a lot of questions, but does the person themselves actually understand and know? But when you see it and feel it in your hands and feel the response, (laughs) and sometimes when somebody says that they have this problem with it, like at the end of the session, I'll be like, well, can you tell me what the problem is, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Our skin is the largest organ of our body and a lot of touch is really important for our health and well-being. Mm -hmm. I mean touch every day nearly all the time as Mm -hmm. a form of communication, Mm -hmm. but it's been weaponized in our cultures and it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole thing that creates less touch. Yeah. But it's also important in in this work. Yeah. And I think working with sexuality, having people that work with touch of all kinds of sex work are so important. And it's so important to have it be safe work. It's so important to have it. There's so much pleasure and healing and stuff to be done Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way... That's my own perception. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, I, I feel it's a way to one person at a time. Uh, there's a ripple effect of healing mm. communities mm. and healing society in a way, uh, in, in a broad sense, mm. right? Mm. That often when you speak about the work you're doing, I see how much it's it's almost needed for everyone. I'm just exaggerating, but it's there's so much <laughs> like chocolate is needed for everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, like it, it's like the amount of people I know that have trauma. It's easier to say who do I know that do not have sexual trauma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And or. A, a confused background about their sexuality or learned behavior that are so- based of social pressure, social construct, and other element, right? And all these behavior are a lot of unlearning and a lot of learning about ourselves. And I feel you're helping people to find themselves in that. Mm, so there's a couple of things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. One, I'll go on to the positive, more evangelical side first, and then I'll go to a different perspective. So yeah. on a positive note, I love it when the people that I work with mm-hmm. tell me that they've brought some of this into their lives, yeah. when they tell me that this has supported their mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. any of their relationships. Yeah when it helps them bring more intimacy Mm -hmm. into their intimate relationships, Mm -hmm. when it helps them develop their own community. Mm -hmm. And I'll often say, this is your work. This is the work that you have to do, is to ask for what you want Mm -hmm. and to bring this into your Mm -hmm. life outside of this container. And for me, that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing, right? And it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This Mm -hmm. Look what this person has has done. Look at the changes this person has brought into their Mm -hmm. life, right? Yeah. The other thing is, okay, there's a couple of ways to do this. <laughs> the beautiful thing about the training of somatic sex mm-hmm. education and why I think it's it's such a powerful modality yeah. is the emphasis that it's client-led. Yep. The emphasis on learnings like the will of consent. Mm-hmm. The emphasis on, on, on just those two things yeah. alone. 
is really important because there's so much trauma around touch and Mm -hmm. sexuality that it's so easy to create more harm, right? And the other thing is just looking at the ways things are taught, the way even the medical system works. Like as much as you want to go conspiracy theories you like about the medical system, some of the amazing things about it is the knowledge can be held by anybody. Yeah. There is, there are trainings, there mm-hmm. are boards, mm-hmm. it's very strict, yeah. but there's a lot of safety in that. Yeah. Like there's actual real research to do <laughs> as little harm as possible, no yeah. matter what your belief mm-hmm. system is, mm-hmm. no matter how much you want to think that big farmers out to get you. And yeah, for sure. But there's so much goodness in large on mass learning with a lot of teachers and continual growth. <laughs> And the problem with small things, and Mm -hmm. this is small and this is new, is that where is the safety? Where is Mm -hmm. the the continuous checking in with community? The beauty of that is is that there's a lot of room to do things, Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of room to create harm. And then who holds that accountable? Mm -hmm. So, of course, for me personally, my idea is, is to do as little harm as possible and try, like I'm trying to work with the idea of people coming to me for a reason and me being supportive. That's not always going to be the case, Mm -hmm. no matter who I am as an individual, no matter who anybody is. Mm -hmm. You know, just even going to a doctor, there's so much misinformation and confusion and so much wrong with the system Mm -hmm. that's not supportive to people despite the good things I said. So... Yeah, it's a great modality and I I think there is so much need for this kind of thing and it's kind of like psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. And they're all tools, Yeah, right? So I do my best but I'm I'm new at this and I'm growing but I'm just Rachel. Yeah. And you're new at this. It's a new field also in a way. Right, yeah. at least in some aspect. But yeah, I see other topics that we should cover <laughs> another, in other s- sessions. But like, what's next for you? Oh, what's next? Yeah, where you are now and what's next, right? I'm actually enjoying this work more <laughs> than I ever have. I yeah. feel really excited yeah. about it. I'm <laughs> really enjoying my clients the people that come to me, like yeah. I call them my clients, <laughs> but more than ever before. So I really enjoy the one-on-one mm-hmm. aspect of the work. I really actually enjoy working online with people uh, as well as the touch work. I, I really enjoy my interactions and conversations with clients. Like I find it really nourishing and I'm looking at working more also in groups of people, working with the idea of having online mindful erotic practices that are supportive and really safe spaces. So doing something like that in a group container and opening, check in 40 minutes, say, with with music, with Mm -hmm. camera and sound off so it's really private and safe and then coming back and checking in. So it's like destigmatizing Self-touch, mm-hmm. masturbating, yeah. self-touch for pleasure. That's something I really want to work with 
in person as well once I have more of the mindful writer practice mm-hmm. online and have like a group of people that I think would be safe to work yeah. together and that it would be fun mm-hmm. and learning experience for all of us. Yeah. And there's one more thing that, that <laughs> I have in mind that we've had a conversation mm-hmm. around. I really want to do an audiobook based around meditation embodiment guided exercises. Mm-hmm. But when I say meditation and embodiment, not necessarily being still, but some of that as well, <laughs> that's centered around a series of exercises, yeah. but is really about psychedelics and and sexual embodiment mm-hmm. because that has been my biggest learning and the best tools that I bring mm-hmm. to clients, like any of my embodied knowledge of different kinds of states of being, mm-hmm has actually mainly come from psychedelics. So I want it to be a kind of uh, audio book that talks about using psychedelics, Mm -hmm. different kinds from microdosing to macrodosing Mm -hmm. and how they can be used as friends for embodiment and who who am I, what is my body, and erotic embodiment specifically mm-hmm. and also for people that don't have community around that yeah. or even community at all and through these practice and just knowing you can start to do this alone and then as you grow in that you can reach out and make your own community yeah. so it's not really associated with my actual work work but it's more like uh just a guide and kind of like yeah some of the things that I've learned in the years that I've spent in those spaces. Yeah, so there's some learning there and the link between the body and the psychedelics. It would be interesting to see if you have other podcasts on that topic or if it all goes in the audiobook. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just really excited about the idea because it's, it's something really important yeah. to me. I feel like it's really important to me as who I am, who Rachel is. Like this is something <laughs> that shaped me. This is yeah. something I've been embroiled in for a long time. Yeah. And I feel like I've silenced myself mm-hmm. in that because mm-hmm. when people talk about psychedelics and the erotic yeah. and trauma and sexuality, mm-hmm. it's a very, very uh, no, yeah. a no-go place mm-hmm. and specifically doing it alone with or a trusted person this way is like kind of like a way into it this is also a big no in terms of the way psychedelics are going it feels like the whole idea of touch um, therapeutic touch in psychedelics has a lot of dodginess associated with (laughs) it but people that work in sexuality have a lot to offer these spaces (laughs) And if you're going to take a psychedelic and have an erotic experience and the person sitting or you're in like a medical place and you have to shut it down, then mm-hmm. that's that's traumatizing. Yeah. So how do we use the knowledge of yeah. people that work in sexuality? There's a tradition of, of sex workers working as trip sitters and it makes absolute sense because yeah. – 
Who else is going to sit with you while you get snot all down your face, while you throw up, while you cry your eyes out, while you masturbate, while you take off your mm-hmm. clothes and and grunt and groan, right? Mm-hmm. Who else is going to sit there without like feeling embarrassed? Yeah. And I think these tools are like if I relate it to my own experience with my gender transition, mm. psychedelics were really a part of the process. Not at the questioning phase, but at the conscious transition phase. And it really helped me to unfold so many challenges I had. And then I'll find what is gender euphoria, find what is pleasure in my new body and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that kind of level of experience with psychedelics when done properly, whereas I was guided with my sex, sex therapist with with my doctor and I had support, right? Wow. And it really helped to have that much support. I could ask questions and they will give me some readings and things to know what I was doing. And I think looking at all the research you're doing and my, you have a really curiosity, but also kind of pragmatic approach of learning that's that I think will translate well in that kind of link between body work and sex work and psychedelics. Yeah, yeah there's definitely a power to it. There's mm-hmm. definitely a lot there. And it's yeah. also it is also dangerous and just in terms of the power of it. Yeah. And how it has been abused. Yeah. And it's like how do we how do we do that? Definitely there's a podcast with you and your gender transition because like <laughs> the things that I that I know already, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to hear about. We can do that. <laughs> do you want to do like, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Like I really, I really want to do <laughs> okay. I really want to interview with you about yeah. that because we'll be I pleasure. think it's some um, yeah. it's just yeah. I mm-hmm. just want to tell everyone it's just the bits I've heard about it are just yeah. such a beautiful experience. Yeah, yeah, I was privileged in many ways uh, in my transition. So yeah, yeah. so there's uh, there's a few things that you'll be covering in your next few podcasts. It seems you have more people coming in. So yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. And also learning about your experience, you actually helped me at a time when I yeah. was looking at hormones mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. kind of your understanding of it was quite deep and yeah. really supportive and not mm-hmm. just supportive in terms of safety profile, longevity, all the things around mm-hmm. that. It was also in different ways of taking them. Yep. So <laughs> it's kind of like the practical yep. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I won't go into it now. Just yeah. a little teaser. Like this is mm-hmm. this is going to be a really cool episode. Awesome. I want to ask you yeah. all these questions. Will yeah. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, thanks so much for doing this with me today. It was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> You can find my services for individuals both online and in person at my website in the show notes. And if you want to support my podcast, you can click on buy me a coffee. That link is also in the show notes.
And thank you so much for listening to the fifth episode of Awakening the Body with your host, Rachel Charlie.